Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to my podcast, Heart to Heart with Annie B. I was encouraged and excited to see that I had quite a few response to my my podcast. And I'm looking forward to conversing even more with many of you ladies out there listening. I got two quite interesting questions, which I thought were quite good. Go with the first one. It's from Kayla. The question is, how do you stay open to love in spite of your fear of loss, even after they're born? And gosh, that one brought me back. It would, that, that's a very deep question, but I thought a good question too, because you are with you're planning your family with the person you love and with all the hopes and expectation of starting your family and um, the excitement bubbles up. You both are excited, bubbles up, and you're on your way. You're told, yes, it's a positive test and you're given dates for when the expected dates for the baby to be born. So, of course, here we are. We're on that journey. And I have always wanted to be a mother. From as a little girl, that was the thing. When I grow up, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a family. I think I'm going to have two and, you know, all those dreams. And here it is, reality. It is now I've started on that journey. And so when we... We start off on the journey, and here it is, 12 weeks into it, you know, now I'm getting ready to to wear, I guess back in those days, a smock. Uh, you know, that was the big thing to show where your belly is about to start sprouting, and the excitement, and knowing that you're loved, and the way your husband looks at you because here you are carrying this child. It was just the best feeling in the world. And so you, the, the unimaginable happens. You prematurely break your water. And here, when if the baby is not too old or, or is not viable, we know what's going to happen. So for the first one, I was rushed to the hospital and it was just a blur, everything going on around me. And, you know, I'm I'm scared and I'm crying. And my husband is trying to comfort me, but there is no comforting, not at this point in time. But I know he loved me and he gave me my space. And so it was easy for me to, to... um, 
just do my my little ex my own individual grieving, but of course I do know that he was devastated also. So after that, that trauma was over, and I were was home, and it it was a little hard, you know. The love is there, but you are just not in that space, you know. But if you have a loving partner who is understanding and who will give you that space to just grieve, if you don't, if you want to be touched, you 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 can you can um, request to be. T- if you don't. You know, to stand off and wait until you are ready. The trauma was real and it took me a while to get over that one. Because I did question myself, why? What Was there something I did? Was there a certain way I shouldn't have stretched or bent? And it really wasn't, it really wasn't me. I, it, I, I'd find out later on. But of course, you know, you you are holding this most precious thing in your body. And here it is. You cannot hold on to it. Why? But we moved on. And um, yes, the love never leaves. The love is always there. And that love that's make it, makes it easier for you to, to cope. And so with that love, we figured, okay, well, then the next time we build and we'll get better and we'll, we'll be more cautious. That was, that was in my, to my estimation. Maybe we'll do something a little different, not lift anything, just take it easy. And so love plays an important part. And when... And when that the baby comes, whether it's whether it's prematurely or didn't make it, you 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 your love never goes away. It's just it's just kind of it's it's compart it's compartmentalized in it, let's say. You love it, you love the baby. And that just loss is just unimaginable. But then also, you know that you have the love and security of your partner, whether it's your husband, your boyfriend, or your significant other. They're there. So that made it easier to go on. And then you wait, you give your body time to heal, and then six months after, because I was determined to have this baby and you know I go back I, I I go back and I think as a little girl I've always wanted to have a family it was just one of those things you know we, we, we took things for granted you're a little girl you grow up to be a woman you're gonna get married and you're gonna have a family that is how it's supposed to be I mean what 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 what, what possible what possibly could jeopardize any of that that was not the thinking that was not in the plan but you know, it is not that easy for many women. I know I'm not the only one. But when I first had the miscarriage and and I thought about it, 
I, 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 I cannot recall knowing anyone who, who have had one that I personally knew. So it was like far removed. And I'm figuring to myself, am I the first woman that this has happened to? Why? Why am I not? Why am I not able to take my baby to full term? And so there weren't that many books around back then. We're talking about over 29 years ago. No books. And I've, I went to Barnes & Noble and I found one book because of the emotions as I was going through, it was just swirled. The emotions were just up and down. I could not find somebody else who have had similar experience as me. Now, and to make matters, I wouldn't say worse, but to kind of to the wound, to 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 pinch the wound. There were friends of mine who are now pregnant and who had gone on to have their babies, and then. Again, I'm not saying it out loud, but I'm saying, why not me? What's wrong with me? So after you have gotten over the the self-doubt and the, the cursing at yourself, then okay, again, I say with, with the love, that is always there that I can fall back on. It helped me to get out of that rut and to to um, move on and carry on because I said I have a, a, a duty to do because I'm going to get a prep my body and to move on to try again. So to answer that question, Kayla, regarding, um, regarding how, you, how do you stay open to love in spite of fear of loss? We have to. You know, we, um, I did, because at, the, at that point, you don't want to be alone. And the ones who love you and you know will love you unconditionally will always be there. And whatever you want to do, you know, you're the one that sets the boundaries because if you don't want to, if you want to say you want to stay, you want to wait a little, then they will go along with what you have to say. But if you, like in my, my case, I wanted to try let's say, after six months. And so he gave me the space to, to try again with the support, whatever I needed. So I hope I answered that question um, for you. And And if, even after, you know, with the, with the miscarriage and the baby is born because it has now passed the 12-week period, for me, that was one of the scariest things because you, that little thing that was growing in you, you love it, but then when, when it, it wasn't successful, looking back now, I was scared. I did not want to see the baby. I did not want to see it because I was just scared to know that in, in my mind at the time, I wasn't woman enough to, to help it to, to be with me now, alive. And so it, it was a traumatic time, you know, and, and of course I, the doctors knew it and 
my husband knew it, but it was just, I was just not in that space. And for many women, I'm sure that it's, it, it, it's a different reaction to them. But I guess I was young and scared and just, I, I'm, now I'm thinking back, I'm not even quite sure why I was afraid, but I was. But anyway, you know, with support from family and friends and consultation from my doctors and them encouraging, try again in a few months, get your body back strong. So I figured, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. And so I moved on. I thought, I figured this was just a fluke. You know, this was one of those things, you know, because things happen and it was just not my turn. So I moved on. Hope that answers that question for you, Kayla. And then and there's another question I have from Sarah, whose question is, what is the best way to support someone experiencing infant loss and miscarriages? Wow, that also is a great question. Because when we're, for us who have suffered the experience, in my case, um, miscarriages. And I, I could also say uh, loss because for my miscarriages, they were always after the first trimester. And so it, it not, it, the sting was not only losing the baby, but then having the trauma of going through labor because, you know, now that the baby has passed a certain stage and again, the repetition was once here again. I broke my water at, um, after my 13th week and it was just like replay of the first. But what was so amazing was my family and friends. They knew how much I wanted my baby. And they rallied around. They were there when they, they, knew, what, they, they knew the right words to say. You know, yes, I know they're, they're hurting for me and they know I'm hurting real bad. And my husband is, is hurting real bad. And so they, they would give me my space and then wait for me to say something. If I wanted to talk, then they know to come in and say something. And I know some didn't have anything to say. Some, some, some didn't have the words of what to say. And I appreciated that too. But, but, just, but the support you can give someone experiencing that, just give them their space. And they and, 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 and we'll give you the cue when you can come, you know, approach and ask, you know, or you wait for us to come and start talking. Because I, for me, it, it meant a lot to me to, to bring up the subject because it, 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 it freed me up to what was in, in my mind, what I wanted to say, you know, the hurt I was feeling, you know, the emotions I was going through. And so... 
just for them listening and and um supporting was 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 amazing one thing i i i i do i thought about was i didn't want anybody to pity me it wasn't pity because pity was pity was like saying oh you poor poor thing you poor thing and i i just didn't want anybody to 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 have that thought or or say that you know when people would say i'm so sorry you, you, you know they meant well but i'm so sorry to hear and you didn't want to hear that you just want someone to come and say to you wow I know he must be feeling or, you know, just get some rest. You know, you'll know when it's the right time. And and again, I'm not knocking people who come in and saying, I'm so sorry. You know, what happened? Oh, that was that was the worst part. When somebody comes here and say, so what happened? So I'm thinking again, they're coming from a with a pure heart and a um, concerned heart. But to us who have just had this trauma, and again for the second time, and which would be a few times more, you know, don't, you know, it's best if you, if you just um, say, support you, I love you, whatever you can do, you know, and yeah, that, that was a hard part when they, when the, the pity started coming in, because that was what, what you, you if, when they show that pity, you're thinking as the, the, the mother who just lost the, your child. It's like, wow, she can't, and that's just in my mind. I know the intentions are good, but I'm thinking they're figuring, wow, poor thing. Can't she even get that right? But again, in my now mature mind, I realized it really wasn't that. It was just me being, it, it, it was a self-pity for me. And, and that was all. So that was a great question because that was a great question, Sarah. And thank you for, for, um, for asking that one. So really, basically, just being there. You know, when somebody's going through that trauma, ask them if there's anything you can do for them. You know, are you okay? And and um, just being there, because they will know. And and we don't... And then we... we and especially if they're good friends. I mean, I had good friends who were were just... Just calling every day. Some days I didn't feel like picking up the phone because I just didn't feel like talking about it. But some friends that talk and we'd, we'd joke around and 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 we just hope for the next time. And there were other times. Uh, you know, I, I think it was just me because I remember I asked my husband one once. Um, so what if I I can't? And he said to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love you and you are the one. So if it doesn't matter, then 
it's okay. It's two of us. We can do lots of things. And so that was calming. That was good to know. But of course, in the back of my mind, I had other plans because I was determined to have that baby. So it, it's, I, I think back, I, I, and there are just so many emotions that go through you. You, so many emotion that goes through you. You think you're not, why, why am I a woman? It's not what we're, we're supposed to do to produce children. I mean, why? You, you wonder, why? But again, I am a very determined person. And I said, I'm not stopping. If my doctor said you are healthy, you're young, Let's go again. So what we had to find out was first is why are these what why are these happening? You're healthy, you have no issues getting pregnant, and, and, and so here's a, just a little sidebar here. At one point I wished that I couldn't get pregnant that easily but had the, the, the issue of infertility. Now, it sounds hard and harsh and, and weird. Yeah, and for, for women who are going through it, I would say, what? I would have preferred being on, in your shoe. But when you're in one shoe, the other shoe looks better. And so sometimes I'd wish and say, well, the, the thing is, I think it hurts more for me is I can get, there was no problem getting pregnant, but is to hold that baby after it starts to grow, hold it in my body. My body would not hold. So I, in essence, my body was betraying me. That was my thought. Because here I am, conceived a baby, the baby is growing. I would go and hear the heartbeat. See the little heartbeat pop, 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 popping, popping away. And, and that, that joy, but then you, you, your, your joy, inwardly you turn, you, it starts turning to fear. Okay, is this one going to make it? Is this one going to be okay? And so then they started, doctors said, okay, after three months, I should be totally off my feet. So it was bed rest. Just to make sure that gravity will not outrun us this time. And so with bed rest, I was there. Gladly, after three months, I get to my third, my, my first trimester, I was off my feet. So fast forward to four years into my marriage and about four miscarriages. All second trimester, the pain doesn't get easier. The trauma is still there. And so we have finally diagnosed 
that my issue is an incompetent cervix. And so when the baby gets to a certain weight, the sac that the baby is, is held in, you know, that sac with amniotic fluid protects the baby. For some reason, my cervix can't hold it. So it would, it would pop through. And with the weight of the baby and I guess the water fluid inside, it, it, per, it, it breaks. And so we know through our biology classes that once that water breaks, you know, that, that's the first stage that we know that the baby is coming. Of course, in my, my cases, nobody wanted to see the water. We should not be having that, not at that stage. But here we go again on the fourth time. Um, been four years. Trying, still trying, not giving up. But I know that, you know, the heartbreak every time. And I've, I was asked by one of the, a nurse when, again, I had to go into the hospital because after, you know, your, your water breaks and the baby's too young and you have to go in and get, you know, procedure to help you, the baby to be out and to fix you up after. And she said to me, and not her, just quite a few, and quite a few people said to me, how do you do it? There is no way I could try that many times. And again, I know they were, it was from the goodness of their heart. It, it, it really wasn't anything, it really wasn't anything about me or telling me to stop, but it was just their way of saying, wow, you, you, you're strong. How could you do that? And, and I, I, I hold on to the mantra. If you want something bad enough, you're going to keep doing it. And you're going to do it until the doctors say, stop. I, I was very healthy. And my goal is, and like I said, I'm a very determined person, was to have my baby. Now, some people could have said, and I know some people thought about, you ever thought about adoption? There's a nurse that I, I spoke with in the hospital. When I, between my tears, and she had known of my history. And she said, have you ever thought of the prospect of adoption? And at the time, I was, a, I was kind of insulted. And not because of adoption. I think adoption is a noble thing. And I, I, I applaud families who adopt kids. But I'm saying to myself here now, in my, in my, in my selfish mind at this point, I'm saying... How dare you talk to me about adoption? I'm trying to have my own baby. You know, years now I look back and I figure, yeah, I mean, that was maybe a, an immature way to look at it. But at the time, it was not. It was, it just was not an option for me at that time. It probably would have been down the road had I not been successful after many tries. But at that point, and I, I actually thought it was an insult. And again, just just to set the record straight, she was not trying to insult me. 
That is not what her intentions were. But in my mind, in my traumatic, traumatized mind at this point, I was like, please don't mention that to me. And so she was well-intentioned, but that was, that was a wrong time. And so here we go on the journey, still on the journey for that baby. It was just no stopping. And sometimes I know when I, when I had my loss and my husband, he's standing there strong. I know he had his moments, but he didn't want me to see him crying. But we had our moments. I mean, I, I cried. I, I bawled. I, I mean, I had no fear or shame. It was just all systems go there. But I, I just had faith that it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And so I would keep on trying. I do remember when I worked in New York City, before I came to California, I was, I was working in a big organization. And at the time, I was pregnant at one point at point in time too and in the in the office there were probably about three of us that were pregnant and so we're all excited you know everybody and again I'm up I'm cautiously optimistic because I know my history but you know you're happy for your your sisters in the office and you know and and and, and the the guys in the office their wives are pregnant and everybody's excited and it was just so it was surreal that we're all around the same stage of our pregnancies. And then here came that, the inevitable for me, here it came again, just like that. So here I'm at home, you know, took a long leave again to to get my psyche back and my body back and and hearing stories of my friends and coworkers who had gone on had their babies their celebrations and I had nothing to show for it you know so that it it's like when you went back to work after your leave was over and everybody had moved on. They had babies who were creeping, teething, posing with pictures. And, you know, I had no story. I had none. It was, it was, it was heart-wrenching. I'm happy for them, of course, to see the smiles on these moms' face and showing their beautiful babies. But I had none to show. But life went on, and but I remember on one occasion, a Mother's Day, one of our managers brought in roses for all the moms, all the moms. And so at lunchtime, she gave out the roses. And I saw that she had one left, an extra one left. I didn't get a rose. And... 
later was found out that she she had bought a rose for him, but she didn't know how to approach. In other words, she's saying, I bought one for her, but because she's not a mother, because of what happened, she was, she didn't know how to approach or give me a rose because she didn't know if it, if it would bring up the hurt or she'd think I'd be insulted or whatever, I don't know. And so I didn't make much of it at work because, okay, it is what it is. But when I got home, it hit me like a ton of bricks because here it is, she had brought this rose for me because I, wa I was a potential mom. I mean, I, I, you know, but I guess, I think it's her way for protecting me. She decided not to give me the rose because she didn't want to bring up the hurt. And then at, at home, I'm saying, give me the rose. You brought it for me, right? So I, I, don't, I don't know how I'd have reacted. And I, I would not have reacted in a, why did you give me a rose? I'd have accepted it and, and be thankful because I, I really was just, if for, for a brief moment, a mom. Because, you know, when you, when you, you miscarry, your body reacts the same way as you, you gave birth to a baby. You know, you, you, your body was preparing. So all the things a mom that has taken her baby through in nine months, your body who, 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 who halfway through did not take the baby through, your body's reacting. You're seeing the physical, you're seeing the, you, you're feeling and seeing the physical after effects. You don't get you, you you don't you don't get away from that, and and I think that is one you you feel the same emotion, you know people say when you have when you have the babies you have to go postpartum, we go through the same I went through the same thing too, it's just the same thing it's just that for my miscarriages babies aren't viable, but once that baby left the bot leaves the body. You, you have the physical, everything that's physical that happens to a regular mom who goes through and have their baby in nine months, you're feeling it too. So I think that was just also another salt to the wound. Because what are you going to show for it? But your body is showing everything. And so, yeah, I, you know, but again, because it was multiple times, you 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 prepare. You prepare to know that what you're gonna go through, and it was. It is gonna happen, and. We just have to deal with it. But again, going back to, love and support. From your husband, your boyfriend, your significant other. Once they're there to support you, you can cry on their shoulder. They they know. The pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the loss. They know. And so, um, how many of you ladies out there have been through something similar? How many of you, how many of you were like me, were determined? to keep going. 
How many of you said you'd never stop until your doctor said stop? How many of you wanted it so bad that you said, I'm going to keep trying? And I, I, I always stick to that old adage, if you want something bad enough, you go for it. Try and try and try again. Yes, yeah, some people, some people, it would be, it's hard for them. Sometimes I wonder, wow, I could have probably stopped. I could have thought around my third miscarriage that maybe, yeah, maybe adoption might be. I mean, it's, it's loving. It'll be your baby. You'll be loving it. But I just want it, again, maybe it's for my own selfish way. I wanted to see something, some as little little person that looks, that have something in their face that looks like me. Something with the, the little hand gesture and that something that looks, and I said, okay, I'll try. Wasn't going to give up on adoption eventually if I had to, but I thought I would try until I... I was successful. And just a little teaser, yes, I was successful. But I'm going to give you that drama on one my other on on one of my other podcasts. It's intriguing and exciting. One of the most exciting times in my life, that's for sure. But on the next podcast I will will share with you what led up to this, led up to my, my triumph, I call it, my miracle. And we can discuss. So we're going to finish up here, but I thank you for the questions. Please go ahead, keep, keep sending questions, you know, or sharing a story, you know, it doesn't have to be in depth, but just sharing that, yes, you have also experience either the miscarriage or a loss or infertility and and what what you're doing how you're feeling have you tried more than once it didn't work you're gonna try again you know what are your emotions what do you feel what what, what, what do you think what what, what what do you think when you try and it doesn't and it doesn't work and it fails what do you think of yourself do you do you are you hard on yourself? We're all human and we and we we can be. But I'm here to say it's up to you. You try. You do what you have to do. You're on a goal, you're on a mission, you go there and complete that mission. And after all that, if it doesn't work, at least you know you tried. Okay, so we're going to we're going to stop off here today, but um, I will reach out to you on my second podcast. And I hope you enjoyed this, this conversation, this chat. Um, 
and hope you you bring others who would listen and for for me to let them know that they're not alone they're not alone i've tried to to do this podcast for many years because i thought it was so important so important and you know it's so important to be able to talk to talk about it you know because we're all in this sisterhood together and we all everybody is not the same everybody does not have the same experience some have experiences without even trying hard while others have to really try but that's what we're here for to discuss and talk and just support each other so with that being said i look forward again to hearing from everyone go ahead send questions you know i'm i'm, I'm also looking towards um down down in my podcast to be able to interview some people too to see what their experiences were and to share it with you so have a great day and until we speak again bless blessings to you and take care bye